This is the Sports Divided Podcast. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat. Second two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. To the net, over. Patrick Kane has scored the goal. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. The Cubs win the World Series. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> I'm not so, hockey around the league is not, not too good. Uh, that's like me in the NBA, so maybe I'll just I'll just kick it out there and I'll let you guys talk about the game itself. I didn't I watch watched, the game. I watched the first quarter, part of the second quarter, most of the fourth quarter. See, I was too uh, busy. Oh, Misty Cubs beating the freaking Cardinals in the ninth inning. Yeah, that's what uh, I was uh, busy uh, watching. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So, but I, I watched it, I watched the game for the first time. I did look up. It's been eight years since I watched an NBA game. And I guess I look at it, and Marion watched it with me, and she hasn't watched either in that period of time. We both commented for you, especially that first quarter. Most of the college basketball you see is better basketball than that first quarter was. That was just god awful horrible. And then I, then I said, well, you know, it's their nerves. It's the first game where somebody can be eliminated. There's different things and, and all that. But it just, nothing, nothing overwhelmed me. In the thing that was there, I, I mean, the biggest thing I was happy about is LeBron wasn't on the floor, yeah, throwing himself on the floor, fall, flopping and crap like that. So I enjoyed the two teams, I guess. I kept waiting for Chris Paul to shoot more, and uh, and and the Greek to stop shooting threes because he's not three point shooter. It was like I wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, I did see how athletic he uh, he is. There's there's no. No question, he is an extremely athletic guy. Yeah, he's arguably, I mean, he's got, other than three-point shooting, every other tool to play any position. I mean, the guy is... is he has free-throw problems, too, does he not? Yeah, but he yeah except for last night. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see it last night. I mean, I, it was just what they were talking about. Yeah. So I, I guess when it was over, I, I thought the right team won. I, I kind of was happy for him. You know, and stuff like that. You know, they went through his, his background and, you know, and his parents in Greece and stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of a good story. You know, there, there's there's no question. And I look at that lineup, and, and granted, I don't I have I don't follow the pros for the last eight years, but all these guys, most of these guys came out of college. I followed them all through college, however many years they played. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I recognize the guys that were good and. And so that I look at those two lineups and I, I wonder out loud and I'll, I'll let that go down with her. How in the hell the Bulls can't be you know competitive with that? Because I didn't see anything there that said, Oh wow, look at that. That's gonna be that, that's gonna be something. I, I didn't think either team was you know over the top. I thought they were good and they were solid. And I was glad to see Bobby Portis, you know, have a role yeah. out there. And, you know, I, I like to see other people use Well, besides nothing overwhelmed me. I, you know, 
you, you you go back and watch the tapes and you watch those Bulls teams with Jordan and Pippen and, and Harper and everybody else on the scene. Those are teams that you just, if you're the other team, you go, fuck. Yeah, um, I ain't got a chance. Man. I ain't but, but that's the best of it. No, yeah. That's the best. You watch, I watch these teams and say, why can't you build something similar to that? You get I one of the guys that overachieve their ceiling. And you get you watch your turnovers, and you get one showpiece. I mean, they only have one. Phoenix only has one. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, that one, and, you know, it's it, it was a, it was a weird experience for me. I was it, it didn't call me and say, "Well, you got to watch more of this." I mean, I yeah, I would still much rather watch college, and that but that's just me. Well, yeah, you don't have a big market team. You don't have like the the villain slash hero that is LeBron James or, you know, the, the, the person that's, that, you know, kind of is divisive among people. It didn't really give you all a reason to want to watch uh, other than maybe Giannis. And I, I thought one of the things I was on my way to work today and they were uh, on the radio, they, they put up a poll on Twitter. And the poll was out of the superstars in all sports today, who's the most, liked superstar. ESPN with, here talked about that too. With Giannis was number one was was one of them. So there was there was they can only have four choices on Twitter. So they always the fourth one is always other but it's Giannis, it's Pat Mahomes, Shohei Otani or other. Those were the those are the choices. See so ESPN and here in St. Louis kind of asked that same question. They were they didn't ask it on Twitter but they were having people text in and they were like they're like, who besides Giannis is an athlete that that is like? Because and somebody said Mahomes, and they're like, yeah, but there are still some people that don't like him. It might they don't like him because he beats them so bad, but there are still people that don't like him. Yeah, and, and Brady wouldn't fit in that group either for no. the same reason. Yeah, yeah. they left baseball out, and, and the one that well, Shohei Otani, that you know, Tani, right? Yeah, or they say, you know, Tatis could probably fit in. Tatis is on his way, yeah. That was the guy I was going to say. But he's, he's, I think he hasn't hit that, like, he's growing into the stardom. He hasn't hit, like, Shoni Itani hit it because this year because of what he's doing. Like, Tatis, if he has another year like he had, he's there also. Well, except that for Tatis, the only thing I'd point out, he's, well, and you could say the same thing for Otani, except I think Otani is in a unique category. Tatis is playing in San Diego. It's like somebody who plays in, it's like uh, 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 Junior uh, playing in Seattle all those years. You know, you just, you know, kind of playing under the radar. Yeah. It was similar to Otani too, because I think he gets lost out there on the West Coast. I think they really try this all-star game to be like, you guys all have to pay attention. The other thing that had a good run of it in the All Star game, I thought. I thought he got a lot of good coverage in airtime. It came across real positive. All Star week, uh, the weekend, uh, Tatis. He was always smiling. He was. He was there with the kids. He was. Yeah, he said the right things. Yeah. Yeah. He got the potential. Certainly got the potential too. Yeah, somebody's coached him well because he's not. He's not he's not dumb when it comes to the press. He he's got it down pretty well. He really uh, if that's really his personality all the time, then he's got it made. Yeah. Well, that's the way his dad was too. Is he was like a happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Yeah. He's very personable. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, they. You know, it makes you wonder though. Like everyone says that 
Mike Trout gets left out because he's in Anaheim. Does Mike Trout just get left out because Mike Trout doesn't want to be touched and he wants well, to yeah. be left out? Yeah. yeah, and there's been talk about that through the years. That, you know what uh, I mean? I mean, yeah, like they, you see they've it with Shoney to, now. Yeah, they tried to reach out to Trout to say, hey, yeah, you know, yeah, being, being a, I mean, look at the talent. You you could uh, really be a true ambassador, you know, for baseball, and he he just he's comfortable not doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that makes you wonder if he did pick up the shop and go to the Yankees or the Dodgers, where you're going to be front and center all the time. And he may be, maybe he's not the same performer. Well, that's, I mean, he might be the same performer, but he's not going to bring anybody else. Like he's. Well, I think it might hurt him. It, it could, it could. I, I, you, I mean, you look at. Uh, Stanton. Uh, uh, no, uh, Cubs pitcher out in San Diego. Uh, oh, Darvish. You Darvish. Darvish. You know, with the Dodgers, didn't like the was he did not want to go play for the Yankees. Took him a while to settle in in, in Chicago, but very comfortable in San Diego because it's you're not the main focus all the time, and you, you don't have twelve reporters up your butt everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. But. So back to Matt's point, right? So besides Giannis, there's nobody – I mean, maybe Chris Paul is kind of like that in the NBA. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of that second guy. Maybe – I don't know. <clears throat> maybe. So they, they made a big point about Chris Paul, too, in, in last year with the bubble. He was one of the, the architects and one of the main reasons that they actually got the bubble to happen and they played basketball during COVID, you know. So, I mean, he's – been instrumental in the league. He's got a loud voice, and that—that's kind of this this game, this this whole series is. You're not you're not too upset with either team winning. You you, you like the youth, and it kind of makes you feel like the Bulls aren't that far away, right? You're you're a piece or two to be in the championship. With looking at the Suns and the Bucks, are similar. Um, I think the Bucks are a little bit more well-rounded, but um, yeah, I mean you don't there's you don't dislike any of the teams. You're not going to watch just to be like, I hope LeBron gets his ass whooped. Yeah. You know? Like it, that that loses a lot of viewers. You're going to watch where the was, game. Where was like, drafted? Late first, I think. Wasn't he? He was not a top pick, right? No, no, he was a scrawny little kid. They just they just showed him. Around. And I guess that's where I'm coming from with that whole Bulls thing too. Is if you get the right guy that just grows into that startup. He, I mean, Giannis wasn't all that the slice of season talent. You know, he was 15th like, overall in 13. Overseas, 15. Yeah. So, I mean, if the Bulls found one guy like that now and put him on the current roster and found somebody that could distribute the ball, mm-hmm. uh, at that point, I look at it and say, why can't they be as competitive? I mean, it's yeah. it's not it's not that it's not that different. No. But I mean, so besides these two guys, who else is it? Is is Trey Young kind of on that? But I don't. I mean, I, mean, I think some people have bad vibes about Trey Young because because yeah. of the way he acted in college. Exactly. Yeah. Doncic, kind of, but then they say you know because he's a European and he's kind of standoffish. But like the NFL has, like you said, what Mahomes and maybe JJ Watt. Yeah, I'd say JJ Watt. That's about it. Like, yeah, I mean, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's a superstar. Yeah, you, you, you start thinking of some of the other top guys, and there's issues surrounding a whole lot of them. I mean, at that point, it, 
Well, and then if you flip it to the NHL, right? Like the NHL is who? Crosby. But if you're if you're an Ovechkin fan and you think Ovechkin, you hate Crosby. Yeah. It's vice not, versa. If you don't live on the East Coast, you're not a Crosby fan. Right. I, I think he's there. I mean, he's the top two guys in that franchise history. In my well, I mean, hockey, what hockey player is just universally like? That's what I'm saying. Like Crosby, Crosby's got to be the closest to Mc, and him and McDavid. But mm-hmm. like hockey's hockey. Like we all love hockey, but it's not. But you still don't, universal. You don't see yeah. a lot of them. You you don't see a lot of them anywhere. I know they were trying to push for a while, like Ralph Backstrom. Uh, he had a couple different national commercials and. Yeah, he was all of a sudden everywhere, and it was like. And he had a little what? bit of personality and, and everything and this stuff, and you know, here in Chicago, the the you know the Kane and Taste stuff, you know, they made a lot of money on commercials because they were, you know, popular here. You know, again, are they popular everywhere? And the answer is no, sporadic here and there. Uh, neither one extremely good speaker or anything like that. So. It, it, well, they pushed uh, Oshi for a while. Remember after the Olympics yeah. when he was yeah. uh, when he did the you know thirty two uh, shootout uh, attempts in a row or TJ Soshi, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, and because he was in the, uh, uh, but I mean, I think that's our commercials. That's the answer, right? Is like the MLB and the NHL are so much more regional sports that it like if we're sitting in if we're all sitting in you know Dryden, Ontario, and Thunder Bay, Ontario, and we're talking, yeah, we're talking Connor McDavid hands down over all this, him and Nathan McKinnon, right? But, but you know, you know, what's funny about that. If I go back to my youth with hockey, and again, let's go back to the time when we were only six teams. Bobby Orr was probably, was universally loved across or respected. Let's put it that way. You know, if he had an interview after a game and stuff, you stopped and you listened because he was the best defenseman in the game at that point. And he had a little bit of a personality. Yeah, but um, that, was that Bobby, just hockey fans, or was that like anybody like us not watching the NBA, knowing who Giannis is? It, you know it what I mean? Be, it would be hockey fans mainly, and and then people like 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 as, I'll, I'll use a perfect example, and we we'll use it as the average person, and she'll love that. But um, Marion you know follows college basketball real closely when we all year long, because she wants to win a bracket, she wants to yeah. You know, and she likes college basketball. I had to explain who Giannis was to her. She came say, from Greece. Yeah. Now she liked him after the interviews. I was like, yeah, that's that's a, that's a sharp kid, you know. So, but here he is, one of the top players in the game, and more than a casual basketball fan. Not an NBA, maybe, but more than casual basketball. Didn't even know who he was. Yeah, you knew Chris Paul. You know, and who had a positive opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, but some of the other ones are, are just not likable. I mean, they're you was, know, was, was Gretzky a likable guy? Or was he just really, really, really good? Well, he, I mean, he's, you know, they nothing's ever said bad, but he was in LA and he's in Edmonton. It's not a, not yeah. a hotbed for market like marketing. You know, like Mario Lemieux might have been more. I was gonna say Mario well, Lemieux was my second. If I were well, liked because he's, but that's because again he's more east coast more people I, so, like I Lemieux, he used to play in that mcdonald's uh golf outing every year so but he's also damn good <laughs> golfing and but hockey uh and so 
and, and he wasn't that outgoing when you met him in person and stuff like that. He, yeah, he he, he just wasn't. I mean, uh, the you know you had some hockey players who were in that uh, the stars of the show and that uh, Michael Jordan golf outings and stuff like that, and a couple NFL kickers, you know, for the most part. But Marino was a much much more personable guy and stuff like that. And had, you know, and had a bunch of records and, you know, but you go back, going back to the hockey, you know, like Bobby Orr, when Bobby Hull would speak, people with us, Gordy Howe was, you know, generally you, you might hate him because he came in to beat your ass all the time, but you like, you know, everybody liked him and there were people in other cities, you know, that respected him and stuff. And everybody, everybody knew who he was. Yeah, there was, you know, when, when number nine for Detroit came in, you, you knew who that was. There was no two ways about it. I think the NHL because, lost a little of that because there's so many Europeans. Now, for us, I, I find that even a little bit appealing because it's kind of cool, you know, but not everybody might do that. Well, the other thing, like Kelly Chase here in St. Louis says it all the time, and, like, it is true, like, me growing up, my whole life in that sport, right? Like you're taught your entire life to be humble about it. Like you talking about Mario Lemieux being very quiet and like to himself, that's the way you're taught. Like Kelly Chase makes these comments all the time that our game has a way of weeding out the assholes. Yeah. It really you, have, does. You, you have to be a good guy to be in the hockey in the hockey world and stay in the hockey world. So I think that's kind of why you don't have these like, Oh, this guy's yeah, yeah, well, not even prima just donnas, prima yeah. donnas, but you don't have this guy like, oh, he's such a likable guy because really everybody in the NHL is, for the most part, a, a good guy. Yeah. And, you know, that's why it's just more regionalized because everybody well, until, has those same guys. Until recently, also, don't forget the NHL didn't make the kind of money being made in the other, in the other leagues and stuff, too. So, you, you know, you had a lot of guys playing for. Yeah, you know, still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but it, you know, the starting salary doesn't start at you know a million dollars yeah. a year. And you know, if you're a two thirty hitter, you're making five million a year. That type of thing. So it's not outrageous. And there's nobody asking for three hundred, four hundred million dollar contracts. So it's it, it's a little. I think it's a little different that way. I mean, and again, you go if you want to go back to maybe where that comes from. When I was young. The hockey, all the Blackhawks players, and I'm sure it's no different with the Blues or anybody else. They had jobs in, in summertime. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they were the car dealerships. They did. I mean, they couldn't survive on the one salary. Even when Bobby Hull left the Blackhawks, it was over the fact they wouldn't pay him a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, th- think about that. He, he the guy, it was conceivable potentially the the best player in the league. He, he Wurtz wouldn't pay him a hundred grand. Yeah. Because he was working other jobs. Even back to Rick's point a little bit too with that, you know, leading out the, the jerks or whatever in hockey, you had the, the Blackhawks who had Patrick Kane who was kind of acting out off the ice and they knew the, the amount of talent he had. And they said, clean it up or we're trading. Like they were willing to get rid of somebody just because of the attitude. Why well, yeah, should other leagues like football and basketball and yeah. baseball? They're like, they'll work with you because they know how good. Yeah, when he walked out for that news conference with McDonough, yeah, he looked like he looked like the little kid that just came back from the woodshed, yeah. just kind of nasty. Yeah, the understanding for people is he was told basically one more. I don't care what it is, 
Yeah. I'm going to hurt your ball. And you know what? You can go play in Buffalo or we'll send you to Winnipeg or wherever the fuck you want to go. You're mm-hmm. done here at that point. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting uh, point to bring up, Matt, because because uh, I remember thinking at the time, uh, and this had nothing to do with the fact that he's with the Blackhawks, but uh, for hockey, that was so out of the ordinary that somebody was so um, set apart from the team in the spotlight and for all the wrong reasons, because that just doesn't happen in hockey. Well, it came uh, from social media. In, I mean, it, unless it, you're it, a Russian. Yeah, yeah, unless you're, <laughs> but, but then it, 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 it's been interesting since then. Yeah, I mean, there has, I mean, I can't say there hasn't been a peep, I guess. I don't know, Dave, you but, would know better. But 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 model simplicity, I mean, yeah. talking and saying the right things, doing yeah. the right th- I mean, he didn't give a rat's ass about anybody else when he was younger and that way. No. But after that, he no, was on just the straight No, just ask the cab now. driver who wanted 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if anybody's watching this. Dave, you made the comment about he looked like the little kid who got taken to the woodshed. Yeah. It looks like Sean Kemp stole his T-shirt because it's about three sizes too small on him right now at the Kraken draft. It's like he's got a white T-shirt on underneath, and it just is like giant muffin top, and it was just it was very small on him. Oh, I just missed it. Sean, Sean Kemp, the guy that's got a kid in every in every major city in the U.S. Well, him in the glove, him in the glove just announced. Uh, John Quinville and Giannis Donskoy as the draft pick. So, so far, uh, Frank Cervelli uh, hasn't missed on his get the draft out by noon when the thing's at seven tonight. We'll get there. Thank you for listening to the Sports Divided Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Moving on, we talked a little college. So, some news broke today about three o'clock during SEC media days that both Texas and Oklahoma have reached out about joining the SEC. Um, so it is kind of brought up through ESPN college football, which, you know, the very first words of this draft were spoken by Chris Fowler. And it just made me think of college game day and SEC football anyways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just around the corner, but uh, there was, I saw this proposed thing. Um, I guess, setup of four conferences 20 teams a conference southeast the big 10 name would still stay except it'd be the big 20 they would just keep it the big 10 that's well, the big 12 now but I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. Well, so then the but the acc would stay and then the pac 12 would add but so they just because so you'd, you'd have four 20 team conferences and yep. notre dame <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Notre Dame would be in the. Uh, I mean, they, so this is the only breakdown I saw was I think the, the new SEC. Getting a, a pass on everything are about over by the Yeah, yeah, they are. They're. I mean, they're going to have to join a conference to make sure they can almost get an auto because it's going to be too tough. <laughs> no, I mean, they played an all ACC conference last year and ended up beating Clemson once and then losing. Yeah, in the, I, I want to play a Big Ten schedule every year. I mean, shut that fan base up. So the SEC proposed, if this happened, would be you would add Texas in Oklahoma. You would add Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and UCF to add oh, to round out that 20. <laughs> Can Missouri go back to the Big 12? 
<laughs> no, because the Big 12's abolished. Okay, can they go back to the Big 8? So. <laughs> but, and then here, here would be the division lineup. So Mizzou football would have a fun, fun little uh, week every week, or fun week every week, right? So you'd have, in the West, you'd have Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Arkansas, LSU, Old Miss, Mississippi, Alabama, Auburn, Missouri. And in the East, you'd have South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Florida, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Central Florida. Who joins the Big Ten? I didn't see a breakdown of that. I don't know how they would divide up the ACC, the A, the AAC. And I would assume teams like Iowa State would join the Big Ten. Well, yeah, and you'd still have Kansas and Kansas. Oklahoma State, State yeah. Kansas, Kansas. Yeah, I would assume it would kind of be a mix of the Big Ten, Big 12, and then the ACC would suck up some of those Louisvilles and Memphises and those types, and then the Pac-12 would suck up Utah and the Mountain West type of Boise states. And I didn't see it fully mapped out. It's only I only saw this mapped out because it went with the article of, from the Houston Chronicle of Texas and Oklahoma reaching out to – Join. Well, I, you think it's coming because basically FBS is kind of that intuitive anyway. Yeah. You know, if they go to either four teams at the end of the year, like they are, or they go to eight, or they go to, well, they're going to 12 or whatever. They're going to 12. Yeah, 12 yeah. right now is pretty much yeah. not a full so, done deal, but that's what they're looking at. So it keeps it, uh, you can pretty much go by count. You, know, you take the top three in each one of those, you're, you're going to be doing pretty damn good at that point. There'll still be contention. There always is, you know. Yeah. That's there, but yeah, I think I would think Missouri would do better in the Big Ten at that point because you, lot more of your recruiting base is going to be in the same I'd, area. I'd like to keep. I'd like to keep the tag of being an SEC football team, please. Thank you. Well, you can keep. You can keep it, but you know, <laughs> if Vanderbilt, if Vanderbilt can survive, Missouri can survive. Northwestern well, was a Big Ten team for twenty-five years when I was there, also, but. You start winning one game every decade and stuff. You get tired of it after a while. <laughs> well, what, I mean, we still have we still have Tennessee who will never figure it out. I swear, Arkansas who won't figure it out. Well, Tennessee um, just had six guys leave. Yeah, through the portal. Yeah, I well, saw it was like that was another. So another comment through SEC media today: the uh, media quote darling that is Mike Leach, who just has comment after comment after comment that everybody loves made the comment too. He goes, it's just too easy to transfer nowadays. Plain and simple. Some kid doesn't like it, puts his name in the portal. He's gone and he's happy. And then he does it again. Cause it's just way too easy. Yeah. There's gotta be, it's gotta be a little tighter. This generation also, you know, we stick it out. This grass is always greener. Yep. I mean, because we're sitting up here, and I'm, I'm a happy man. I post it every now and then. So right now, Northwestern's got the number six-ranked recruiting class in the country for 22, which is, I mean, we've got more four-star guys than I've ever – I mean, a four-star guy, that guy came once every 20 years back in the day. That's because he was a – his father wanted to be a biomedical, chemical, nuclear physician or something, you know, <laughs> something like that. I mean, you think we just didn't get these guys, you know, and it's hard to compete year in and year out with state. You know, for some of the guys, you're competing academically as well as football. So you're, you're, you're you get the same pool, you the short pool that Stanford has and Duke and and some you know some of the other people to get in. And 
it's you get in trouble. But, so they've had a good class. Pitt's got a good recruiting pitch. But know? Michigan, but Michigan has Michigan has that class every other year. It's, just, it's not. It's not historic. It's, so it's, Ohio State stole one of your four stars because you're down to a, just one four star, and you're down to twenty three. Oh, they took what? Yeah, because Mizzou Mizzou's at nineteen, and Northwestern's at twenty three right now. I mean that that would have been unheard of twenty years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, two stars would have that twenty three would have been unheard of. <laughs> well, that's like my biggest fear. You know, I think if if Missouri could keep Drinkwitz there, they can compete every so often at an SEC title, but they'll be respectable the whole time. But I'm afraid that somebody like Ohio State or Michigan is going to say, look at how much, well he recruits at Missouri. Yeah, we're going to pluck him. Yeah, he's if he has a really good season this year and, and certainly next because the, the recruiting he's doing – uh, is just for by Missouri standards is, is off the charts with the exception of when, I mean, when Pinkle, Pinkle had a good run, but um, yeah, he'll be gone. Yeah. He'll be gone. Yeah. The well, thing that fits is our, fits is our link to say, it's the same, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, he's, although we're fortunate, he's already turned down Notre Dame and a few others. So. Yeah. And he's got a, oh. he's got ties to Northwestern. Uh, well, uh, which doesn't. He's making $6 million a year. Playing for, uh, you know, coaching his alma mater, and really, he's never going to have that pressure of need to win. He's got to win a national championship because it, it would be totally unexpected. So it's put the money back into the team too. You look at that facility they're building and all that. Oh, right there. that's oh my, I mean, come on, Mizzou's that's doing group. that too. Mizzou's oh. adding a six point five million dollar indoor practice field. Well, that right was uh, that was Phillips who was able to get that from Vienna because the 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 heads of, North, of Northwestern before that, the North, the athletics got their money right after marching band. You know, the, the, that was whatever was left. Yeah. yeah. Then the athletics got that. I mean, that was, you know, so yeah, but Phillips is gone now. And I, and I do worry about that a little bit. Well, that's, so the good thing about the thing that Drinkwitz is doing that hasn't, doesn't really happen. Pinkle didn't do it a whole lot either. He just got a bunch of, great development guys out of Texas. Uh, the top seven guys so far out of this class, out of the state of Missouri, have all committed to Missouri. Yeah. So that's one thing that Missouri's never done. He's locking down the borders, which is a good thing for us, because that's – if you ever looked back in the 80s at some of those rosters from Nebraska, well, almost their whole offensive line was from Kansas City, Missouri. If we would have ever locked those down – Tom Osborne yeah. used to say it all the time. He used to be – he used to say if a, if, a, if a good coach can get in there to Missouri and recruit, Missouri is a sleeping giant because that's where we go to get all of our our big uglies, as they would mm-hmm. call them. Yep. That's why you look at you look at our state, and it's so funny because U of I gets very few hometown people that are here. I mean, between especially basketball, they should be you know, just recruiting the city of Chicago alone. Oh my God! They should just own Chicago. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, but it, but it's, I tell you, it's not a, it's it's not an unheard of thing. If you look at, and this is something that goes off the chart a little bit here, but Matt would understand this. But you look at girls volleyball, or guys volleyball, and you look at the the cha- national champions that come out of Illinois, uh, club wise and and high school and so that, and basically schools like U of I Chicago, DePaul, they get none of them. They don't, but they don't recruit. 
you're, you're, you know, I found myself, we were calling them and asking for draft. They don't come out and recruit you. Lazy, unbelievably lazy, you know, everything else. It's, it's unbelievable. They should be able to, with, with the second and third teamers, they should be competitive. Internet. Yeah. They, they hope that these, these kids want to stay close or they'll come looking for them or something and, you know, or walk on. Like, no, no, not going to happen. Loyola finally did it on the guy's side, you know, something like that. But on the girl's side, they still suck. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, it's, it's a, you know, I, I don't know. You know. And Northwestern doesn't get all the kids out of here either from, especially from that standpoint, you know, they, they do much better on you know, lacrosse and, and, you know, some of the sports and baseball uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, you know, they, they need to do much better in the city of Chicago. They have to. Here at Sports Matter, we're powered by MEPS Place, the gathering place. Well, speaking of the city of Chicago, one baseball team is going to be buying. Last night we thought during the middle of a game, one team was selling in the middle of the game. It ended up not happening. It was right hamstring fatigue, which in my mind means, oh, you felt something pull a little bit. You're going to sit because you're on the block and we need to make sure you're healthy so we can trade you. Um, Why and then, today? is he, I didn't look at the, I know you guys are up one, nothing. So yeah, exactly. That's my point. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you, all I know about yesterday's game is if we could play you guys all year long, we'd be, we'd be uh, buyers also. <laughs> Christ. <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even Ray, I mean, Ray, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, that's, you know, he's usually a lockdown solid. And yeah. But the, the issue, the issue there was, uh, I mean, yeah, it was him, but, the issue never should have never should have gotten well, you're to that still point. Tossing the ball over the place, and, and I'll tell you what, Yadi needs to put a little more effort into some of those blocks and other things that are there. He's been called out a couple of times recently, including by your own your own guys. He, I mean, he's still very talented, but he, I think I think his foot is he missed the All Star game for a foot issue. Well, then I think, he he shouldn't I think be playing if he's hurt. Yeah, because well, that's way too many pass balls, way too many where. He, he normally gets that ball and he doesn't even make it. He doesn't even make the effort for it. That's, you know, it's something that your defense is killing you. Well, I mean, you it's know. not biased three errors in two games, but you know, well, Bias's head is up his ass at this point. I mean, you talk about a guy who takes it on the field with him. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, there's no question, but it, you look at what, you know, what's happened, you know, there, and, you know, give up the winning run to Hap. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, Hap, I mean, Hap, well, look at his numbers. If Hap played the Cardinals every single time, he'd be a Hall of Famer. He rakes, he hits like 325, almost 330 against the Cardinals with like 19 home runs. He's he's the guys that you used to have that used to hit the Cubs that hit nobody else. (laughs) Because Hap Hap is hitting nobody else. (laughs) He's fighting for, he's fighting for a spot here next year. Well, and I, and quite frankly, I, I don't know if he gets one. It depends on how they load up and stuff. And yeah, how, who, who they sell off and what they have left. Yeah, you know, because I mean, the good news is there's so many more buyers right now that even for rentals, you're going to get a little more than normal. You're, you're still not going to make the, you know, the huge haul. I mean, the Cubs will make the Cubs will make their hay on on Kimbrough because yeah. he's, he's signed for next year and. You know, he's he's it out there as far as far as closing is concerned. 
he's going to take the hall. But, you know, even, yeah, I look at the, the, that one rumor that came up with the Sox today. And, you know, there was no, you know, Kopech wasn't in it. Uh, and, uh, oh, God, what's the other guy that's the pitcher right behind him? He's on the big league squad now. Starts with his C. Uh, oh, is it Ronaldo Lopez? No. No. Ronaldo Lopez was in that deal you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, I look at that deal, and there's, and, you know, the Sox farm system is just about done. I mean, because it, and it should be. I mean, they're all playing. We thought that until Gavin Sheets came up and he starts raking. So I mean, I look at I look at the four players that the, the, we would you know we would get for for Kimbrough and, and obviously Kimbrough raises what we get for you know Bryant if we put them together and, and so and I take those four and say if two of those four hit, you know what that that boosts your re, you know, your rebuild now becomes more. A lot shorter for every every couple guys you can get. I mean, all four aren't going to be stars, but all, all four will probably be major leaguers. Um, Berger gets hurt so much, I, I worry about him a little bit. But yeah, but that, I, I look at that trade and say, you know what? That trade puts the Sox over the top this year. I mean, at that point, I mean, what was the trade? It was it was uh, it was Chafin. It was Chafin and and uh, Nick Bryant. and Bryant. Chafin and Bryant. So okay. you get the, you get your left hand. I mean, Chambers not that far behind Kimbrough, except for his, you know, the same number mm-hmm. that are there. And you put him as your your lead into Hendricks. You you go to the eighth inning with a lead, and the game's over. I mean, that's cause that's basically what's with the Cubs right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and you get you got a guy that can play any given game, first, third, left, right, and even center for you if you need to. Right. I mean, that's. I would be great. I, yeah. I mean that's that's over. It gives you a chance if you want to go out and sign up for that, you know, going forward. I mean, uh, I I believe, I firmly believe once he leaves the Cubs, he's gone. I don't think the Cubs will be able to get him back. I, too many hard feelings and stuff like that at that point, which breaks my heart because I love the guy. But uh, I mean, I would follow him as a Sox player. I wouldn't follow the Sox, but I'd follow him. <laughs> I can get a Southside shirt with seventeen. I can live with that. Yeah, so if there isn't a 17 on the team now. But I look at that and say that's coming up, you know, and the Toronto has, I know on the, on the board for Kimbrough right now, his guy is, I think he's the fifth prospect of base. He's a shortstop. He's their number one guy. And, you know, they, they, were, because they were trying to compare him here to Glaber Torres when we gave him up for our, our Chapman. Because, I mean, this is the year for – I mean, the Sox, it's all in front of you. I mean, Houston's oh, yeah. the only team in the American League that, that can even play with you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, even guys that are coming back, do we really need to do – you know, but it's also – you look at the teams that have the, you know, like the Dodgers or something, they're far and away the best in the National League coming in. But then they – Go and get. I I know it didn't really work, but they got power, you know. And it's like, are they even at first yet? I don't think so. No, I don't think they're up by two. But it's like don't be counting on on the Dodgers. There's a lot of injuries in their pitching staff right now. Yeah, but it's but the but the point I'm trying to make is you know you you have a team that on paper they look far and away the best, and then they don't stop. They do something to even get better. 
when he had three hundred million dollar payroll. <laughs> yeah, but it's almost like the, you know the White Sox maybe don't really need to do anything, but why not? You know what I mean? You're not giving away, you know, major league players. You're not giving away, you know, the future. Stars don't, stars don't align like this often. They, they don't. No. Well, it was really nice to see our boy Lance Lynn get locked up, though, huh, the next two years. I told you, he's only going to take two. It's his club option for three also. Club option, yeah. And, so. you know, he he made that deal happen because he said he didn't want to go anywhere else. He's happy. He likes it. Well, he, got, he, likes, he likes the guy he's pitching for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Loves the guy he's pitching for. Okay. Yeah. And I think LaRue, I mean, that was, I saw an article, it just, it might've been clickbait, but it says Tony LaRusa manager of the year, question mark. Like, could he be? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's done. Well, the Sox really got to be a candidate. I mean, yeah. by default. I mean. Well, I mean, who, let's be real. So it's, it's, there's probably three. It's LaRusa. Well, whoever is managing the Giants. The Giants. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Gabe. Gabe Kapler, and it's what is it? Cora, right? Cora resigned with Boston. Yeah. After his year suspension. Mm, maybe that. Yeah, he might be a candidate, but he would never win. I can't see the uh, the votes. Uh, and really, you got in the American League, you don't, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about uh, the Giants. I mean, right now they're the team that's way overachieving where anybody thought they'd be. I mean. No. Yeah, so yeah. he's he's probably runaway winner winner. Yeah, I would think so. At, le- at least in the National League. No. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's Alex Cora is the manager. So yeah. I mean the only other guy in the National League that could push it is Council for the Brewers. Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if they hang on. Well, well, the way the Cardinals and Cubs are uh, the way anybody's playing, the Reds just lost three straight to them. Like, yeah, it's not whether they hang on; they just got to play five hundred ball, and a team has to play almost six twenty ball to catch them right now. Yeah, true. That's the thing, and and it's not like they're that good. It's just every other team in the division is that mediocre. They're not. They, their offense is terrific. I mean, as you know, but and you know, it's different things. It's. For the Cardinals, it's been pitching injuries and can't hit a ball with their lineup. And for the Cubs, it's been more, you know, injuries here and there at bad times. But well, we didn't have a know, starting pitching staff. To that's what I was. Gonna, and then the staff was. It's like the Cardinals. Nobody's, were, nobody's kidding me that Zach Davis and Trevor Williams and uh, are part of a, a, a top four rotation. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, Hendrick Hendricks is 11 and four. He's, yeah, how he wasn't an All Star is beyond me, but he's. You know, he's held up his end again. I mean, he's got you know, more wins than anybody, you know, as many wins as anybody in baseball. And, you know, but he's by himself. I mean, he really is. Which that, so what you just said, Dave, kind of astonishes me for one reason, right? So we're talking about the most wins in baseball and what a true number one means to a team, right? The most wins in baseball right now for one pitcher is 12. And that's Hendricks. Yep. Flaherty, who's been out since middle of June, is still sitting there only four wins away at eight. Well, he was also an unbelievable. No, start. I know. What, no, so I was going to yeah. say, so like if he, like we, they talk about it here in St. Louis all the time with how bad you miss that number one, right? So if he stayed on his clip or even was worse than his clip and made 
the uh, I think it was 14 or 15 starts that he's missed, and the Cardinals average what they usually average under him, which is nine and two. They're two games behind the Brewers. That just goes to show, like for us, what one pitcher does. But you guys, if you had one other guy that was even half of that, you'd be well, in the same same spot. We we had the guy. He's pretty yeah. Well, but you know what I mean. That's what I'm, that's that's what I'm saying. Like if you guys had him on your roster this year, you guys are sitting same yep. spot, two or three games without, back without question. You know, you know, it's you know, even when and we've had our, our injuries just like you have, and so that and you know, you but when Darvish left, that really, I mean, to me, that was the beginning and the end. I mean, that was you you couldn't look at you know what we had as a starting rotation, and the bullpen came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, a lot of guys having career years. I mean, Chapman's had a couple of good years. You know, and Kimbrough is back to being Kimbrough. He, he had about a year and a half where he, he was very bad. But, you know, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, so it's – and he's back where, where he was. I mean, he just does what he does. And I'll give him credit. But that our starting lineup, was, our starting pitching was never going to be good enough. I mean, that was – even if they all had career years, they weren't going to be good enough. Well, that's the same. I mean, that's with the Cardinals lineup, right? So besides, which Goldschmidt, if you look at his number since June, Goldschmidt is hitting like 390 and his OPS is like almost 980, which it's always been his MO in his whole career is as a, the weather he's heats very, up, he heats up. He's very right? good. Yeah. Is a, is struggling. Well, he just he just picked up a hit. He's got two hits today, but yeah, so he's Aaron Adams, the guy I thought I, I seriously and I didn't no disrespect by it. Hitting wise, he's the guy I thought he was. Outside of Colorado, once he's out of Colorado. Now fielding wise, he's the class of either league. He's he's the best third baseman in, in either league. There's no question. And for his glove alone, I would take him and put him on the field. because uh, how many wins above replacement is he? As a defensive player, it's got to be worth a couple of games. I mean, that, that's there. So even if he hits 240, but he hits 30 home runs somehow, he gets there again and, and 90 RBIs. That's, you know what? That's a that's damn good ball player. But he's not. He, he's not Goldsmith. Well, he's uh, so Goldsmith's on pace for 100 and 100 RBIs exactly. Aaron Otto's on pace for. 104 right now so but besides those guys you don't have anybody that even qualifies at bats besides carlson and edmund for any sort of standing like that's yeah that's hers (laughs) yeah you know and that's that's the issue with the cardinals is they i think their plan of 2020 was going to be a full hey we're going to see what these guys got and then we're going to make adjustments well then 60 games happened and now they're rolling 2020 into 2021 with testing out to see what O'Neill, which O'Neill is okay if you have another outfielder that's better than Carlson, but when you have Bader, it doesn't do anything. Or you have DeYoung, who's a giant hole in your lineup. It doesn't do anything. And Edmund even has been very, very lackluster since June 1st. And basically one, one day the, the year is going to start and Wainwright's not going to have any more left. Oh, he's, I think, so he was, <laughs> He was already made the comment that this or next year will be his last year. I think I think it's more the fact that he already made that comment. I think he it would be this year is probably his last year unless somebody talks him into it going into next year. Yeah, I mean this this would be a 
th this would be a nice way for him to call it a career. I agree. You know. And but, he gives you a chance to win every time he goes out yeah. right now and stuff like that. That's all you can ask. Oh, my God. Think about it. If it wasn't for him, uh, the Cardinals <laughs> would be battling the Pirates, I think. You know? True. Yeah, it's – it's it, I mean, it's just not good. But, but we'll see what the White – we'll see what the White Sox do. I mean, it's yeah. – I, I listen to the score every day during the day, and I listen to those guys. I, you know, and I heard the one guy say today, well, I, I don't want to give anybody up, though. Well, you, yeah, that's you, you. Not how it works. <laughs> now's the time you got to go get better. You, you're, yeah. you got to get anything worthwhile. You don't, you don't get something worthwhile without giving something worthwhile. Yeah, that's you can't. Because somebody threw out a name thing. They even know it's, it's their number. Their number seventeen prospect in a weak farm system now, and they and they and they want to get like the picture from Minnesota. So, come on, you know. Well, they, they, they definitely, you know, they all they talk about, and it's it's more of like the, the clickbait kind of stuff. But it's, you know, the Sox dealing with the Cubs, and they're like, well, we don't want to give something up to the Cubs because then in three or four years from now they're going to be good and they're going to come back at us and say, yeah, you gave up that for this, you know. So it's it's a lot of that. It, I I really don't see. I, you, I, you, you deal with anybody? I don't. I don't see the the White Sox and the Cubs dealing. I mean, right now, there's no reason the Sox can't go out and either get Trevor Story or Frazier. Right. If they want them, they can go get them, and they're doing neither, and that, that's yeah. kind of sad. Well, I almost wonder, is Frazier a – so Frazier still has arbitration rights for three more years. So is it a thing there? They don't want to block, you know, Man. Nick, yeah, Madrigal or take You're going to take Madrigal over Frazier? Well – I'm talking pretty good, but here's the thing. Who's, who's more, Frazier. no, but Frazier's in arbitration might get, you know, nine mil next year. Well, God, God forbid the cheap bastard on his hot side would spend some money, you know, but no, but that's my, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Right. So that's why I think they're thinking that. And then, I mean, if mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm the Sox, I'm looking at, I don't know. You start hanging banners up there and the money pays for itself. I mean, that's, yeah. That's the part that seems to be lost in this. I mean, they paid Michael. You paid Michael Jordan thirty million dollars a year at the end because he put a banner up every time he went out and played. You know, and what did it mean to the franchise? The franchise has been hasn't been the same since. You know, and so you you got to be able to do the same thing when you when you have the opportunity. You know, for a team that you know, doesn't have twenty seven championships and all that stuff. But now's the time. I for what they said in the modern era. Besides, somebody the win streaks, it's you know, it's not good, yeah, you know, type of thing. And now you've got a time not only to win, but maybe win a couple years in a row. I mean, everybody says that's, that, but it, I think that's why there's, I think that's why there's not this like, let's go get everybody, let's trade away every because because the window's open and it's going to be open for for a while. It's got quite a few well, guys locked. But nobody's asked, nobody's asked them to trade any of their top people. I mean, that's. There's, there's starters. I mean, they you you look at what the, what they have. You, like you know, like Keith said, you got to give up something mm -hmm. to get something. You, you you can't you can't offer you know Ian Happ and and, and, and ask for Kershaw back from the you know? Well, and, and the other thing too about that uh, the thinking you know you have a window maybe to win more than once, eh, maybe so, but you can't win the second one until you win the first one. Well, and, 
Yeah. And, and man, I mean, you got to go for it when you when you have when the windows open, whether it's <laughs> especially if it's the first window, man, you got to go for it. And then and then you figure it out later. Um, I mean, you see what injuries have done. I mean, you get, yeah. so you go into next year and let's say Rodan's back to being the old Rodan, not not 2021's Rodan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has he has he made the complete conversion? I don't know. He, I think he's having a year like Arietta had for the Cubs. I think so too. And it's it's that one year, mm-hmm. and he'll be good, but he ain't going to be great. You know, that, and all that adds up. And then you also rely on the fact that other teams around you don't outbuild you. Yeah. You know, right. Right now, like you said, it's you and the Astros. And the Astros have got, they still got some major holes to fill. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy the that I are probably going to lose Korea in the offseason. The guy that I would, if I'm the White Sox, it's Starling Marte. Yeah. Guy can play all three outfield positions. He's well, got he's a lot of speed. A deal for Miami or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You'd have to probably give up the most to get a guy like that. You know that mm, Miami tends to not make a lot of good <laughs> baseball traits. They deal more. Miami deals more in quantity. Yeah, you throw them nine prospects that are all below twenty, they'll take it. They're not quite the Rockies where they'll give you money to pay it. Also, but <laughs> I saw that GM or something came out and said we're not we're not a farm system for other teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a talk about story. Yeah, we're not, we're not a, we don't, we're not a farm system. Yeah. 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 Just like, well, you kind of are, but you, you've been for a while minus two years. And even when you were good for those two years, it was because guys like Matt Holiday weren't ready to go get paid big money just yet. And then they still went somewhere else. Oakland on to St. Louis in one year, you know. Hey fans, I know you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. So we'll move on to uh, the topic that might take a – we're going to try to run through this quick so we can touch on expansion because that draft just finished. But we kind of talked about if we were armchair GMs and could make three moves this offseason for the NHL since – the expansion draft is today. The NHL draft is Friday, and free agency starts the 28th. Um, it's rapidly approaching, so we'll t- you know we'll we'll talk. Obviously, Dave and Matt, you're talking about the Hawks, and then me and Keith will talk about the uh, the Blues. Um, the thing we kind of talked about was there's no outlandish, outlandish things with trading the whole team for McDavid or something like that. My trade, I got a feeling Matt or Dave's going to say is outlandish, but the only reason I have it together is because it has been talked about a lot here in St. Louis, whether it would work or not. It is a three-team trade, but we'll get to that here. Are you from the Avalanche joining your team? Nope, no, we don't need okay. – nope, nope, not that – nope. Landeskog is probably going to end up uh, – I would – if I had a – if I was betting money, Landeskog – Resigns in Colorado first for eight years, 6.5, 6.9, because they give him that eighth year. If he hits market and goes somewhere else, probably L.A. at seven times eight and a half, something like that. I think the Blues stay away from it just a little bit because they need they need to fill out the roster more than one guy at seven and a half or more. 
Yeah, so it's so weird. Yeah. So, so Dave, we'll let you go first with with the so the Hawks. So, one other principle that I was going to say was we're kind of assuming all the big RFAs that they have. So, like, Doc isn't technically an RFA yet, right? I don't think so. I have but it, you know, like any sort of RFA like that's coming due. Resign. So, like for the Blues, I didn't throw as in part of my three moves, re-signing Barbashev, Kairou, Thomas. Right. So, you know, kind of guys that you own control rights of, still stay there. So, go ahead, Dave. Which makes some sense. Hold on one second here. I had my hot sheet here, and I didn't get a chance to finish like the other end of the trade. What I tried to focus on is what we need hold on did anybody use the link that i sent that link is great by the way it's unreal cat friendly unreal so that's what i was working off of here hold on i had all the lists of blackhawks like when you asked that question about the rfa i had it all here so how long we had them I don't know where I put it now. Oh man, that was such a good page too. Just, I did work up. Well, here's here's what I had. I mean, I I can't remember the back end of it. That was the problem. It's all good. I mean, I, I looked at. You can probably I looked piece at, it together from memory. Here's memory. what I think. Here's what I think the Hawks need to do. My opinion. You know, I'll be Stan Bowman for a day. Armchair GM. The, the defense is not going to fix itself on its own. I mean, it's there's. For the Hawks to be competitive again, and I look back to the you know the, the teams over that five six year period, you need two standout defensemen. When I watch the teams in the playoffs, you need two standout defensemen uh, that are there that have some offensive capabilities and are not defensive liabilities. You know they may not be the best defensemen, but they're not liabilities either. Um, and then you can get by with some you know if I, as I watch these teams. Some younger guys filling in. I watch them. You look at Montreal. You look at some of the teams. The Hawks are, you know, the the Boquist of the world and Bodin and stuff like that. A couple of those guys are going to hit as solid defensemen. They may be four or five. You know, they may not be you know the top pair. They're their second pair or third pair. Uh, But you need those other ones. You you need to go out and do whatever moves it needs to make. But if you're trying to rebuild like they are. And you try to do it through trade, you know, you subtract from here to add over here. That's going to suck. They, they can't really afford to subtract anywhere. No, there are not much. So I, I look at a guy like Hamilton that's out there, and I know he's flawed uh, and stuff like that. And he's going to be an arm and a, a freaking leg, but he's only money. So now you need to manage the cap, and you may have to make some tough decisions on a few guys in order to make to make that happen um and you know if, if you look at, at him and you, you've got to add one more defenseman via trade somewhere uh i mean i look at a guy like, like you just lost in the, in the draft that that was a guy i think had a, has a chance to be a top defenseman now not at all really He's too dumb with the, like he he is. He's Zadorov. 
Well, he's a little bit more skilled than his, but he just, he thinks he's so skilled. It's like when PK Subban was in his prime where he's so skilled, he's making these moves and then all of a sudden it gets pickpocketed going the other way. And he, um, okay. Probably single-handedly kept wheelhouse, a bar downtown in St. Louis alive through COVID and a little before COVID for probably about two and a half years. Cause I think every, I think he just signed over NHL paychecks directly to that bar. Wow. <laughs> Not good. Okay. So you look at this. I mean, I think, I think we need to go out and, you know, I look at some of these guys that, you know, that went to the Kraken and stuff like that. I, I don't know who the second defenseman is, but I think they need to make Hamilton and make the cap work. Uh, I'm also of the belief that Taze is not is, is never going to play another game for the Hawks again. That's just my opinion. But so the thing about Taves, right, is his he, his 10.5 mil won't hit off of the books until after game one. So you can't – you can be 10% over until the start of the season, which yep. te- at this point is – I think it's October 20. 21st is the deadline that you can be 10 10% over and then you got to be down. But if you're, you know, that Taves doesn't hit until three days after that. So you don't open up 10, 10 and a half mil until, you know, October 24th or whatever it is. You got to be able to manage to it somehow. And there's plenty of ways, you know, to do that. But I, I just think you can't pass up a guy like Hamilton is his age because you you they just don't come around that often. That's you know that that's the problem. And I, I don't want uh, the other guy from Columbus, Seth Jones. Uh uh-uh. uh, I just I just don't like all the. If you look at his numbers over the last, he's he's been you know he didn't have a bad year. He's had a bad four years, and that's just not what you want to slide in there at that at that point. Um, I mean, they are, they may have to give up a guy like DeHaan, uh, who's you know what four million about a four million dollar hit. Four, I, believe. I think he's four four six. I was looking at it earlier. That, so that might be a casualty, and you're going to have to hope Ian Mitchell or something like that make, takes that next step. Uh, of things and DeHaan will be. I mean, he's a very solid defenseman. He's, I could I could buy you anything on offense, but solid defenseman. So I mean, it's. Is out there. I know Letty's out there also. Uh, I don't think he's a one, a first pair guy anymore either, but uh, it was there. And they need to nail down what they're doing with goalie. There's a number of goalies out there that probably could be had. It's either going to be Lincoln or not. Uh, I would not be surprised to see the Hawks draft the goalie in the first round. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Uh, if one of these guys is better than the guy they took in the second round last year, then you do it. Uh, well, so uh, with the Hawks, like some, like the thing that I wonder, right? Like they, their cap cap room right now is about ten, right? So they're projected. Yeah, I think it's ten and a half something. Like yeah, that. ten ten four three six is their cap room. So like, you know, you have you move to Han, you're you're at fifteen. Yeah. But like Hamilton's gonna cost you ten. You have four guys that are RFA in Hoggle, a guy you just traded for in Adam Gaudet, Kempf, and Suter. And then you have 
Zadorov, who's RFA. The thing is, is all three of your goalies are UFA after this year. So if I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I'm Stan Bowman, I might be tempted if, if I can get them at like four for three or four years, a guy like Frederick Anderson. We need somebody, somebody to go with Lincoln in to be the anchor. I mean, Delia and, and Subban are no loss if they leave. I don't think either one of them is, is ever going to be a number one goalie. That's, there's no fear there or whatever. Uh, you know, letting Laner go when they let him go, I mean, a lot of different reasons, obviously, but that there was a guy that could have taken over, you know, that, at that point. Um, you wouldn't be in this position. That'd be one less you have to worry about. But they chose not to go that way. So, you know, and Lincoln, could he still be the guy? He could. At his age, he's pretty good. There's no question. Will he, will he make that next, that one more step that you need? Nobody ever knows how to go until they do it. Yeah. Most of them never even get to where he's at. He's, but a, he's a guy that can steal you a game here and there. Can he steal you more than that? Maybe. <clears throat> like I don't I don't know what type of appetite Columbus also has for for a trade, but if I'm the Hawks, I'm I'm not worried about Dougie Hamilton and I'm not worried about Seth Jones. I'm offering a package that has Kubalik, Dahan and a first round pick to try to get Zach Warensky from them. Um, but I don't know what Warensky's end goal is too, is he's a Michigan kid and he's already talked about not wanting to re- maybe not resigning and maybe going to play with his buddy Larkin and in, in Detroit. Like the thing with the Hawks is they're going to have to ship out. There's got to be a lot of strings pulled to revamp a roster to get them in. Was to do to do it out of fly, so yeah, there's no question. You got you got to take some risks. I just don't know. I don't see how it. I don't know how it happens. Like that's what kind of sucks is I don't see where how what to sure up a back end looks like without getting rid of one of Doc Kubalik to bring it. Well, I you know I, I think I think Kubalik could be had. And I also think Doc could be had if somebody overvalues him. I thought that, the Hawks, though, said that Doc is untouchable. Yeah, Doc, they did. Doc, Doc and Debrinket are untouchable, according and to And Kane, that's a, of course. That's well, the, the thing. Like, Debrinket, I understand, because there's there's not too many snipers around there that are putting – every other year are putting 40 in the net. Just, there's, there are few and far between. And but I, here's, and my, here's my thing. Exactly. He's young. He's two more years at 6.4. Can you afford to go another – he's going to – if he keeps having these seasons, he's going to be north of Kane at 10. Can well, you can you lock that back up? Like, that's the issue, right? Like what you'll, what you'll be having at that point in time is, I mean, trying to do this, what trying to do what they're doing, get back and be a solid playoff team uh, at that point. They've got about – I'm thinking they got a three-year window before – you definitely will start to see some decline from Kane 
it could happen sooner, but let's let's say it's even three years that he that he can perform. But he's only he's that's a, he's got two years left on his deal. So then it comes, what are you going to offer him? Like how? Well, that's why I said you got to be in a position to know where you are at that point. Because two years from now, we could be they get they may have to blow it all up. It, it's possible. I mean, they're, what they're trying to do, I get. And you're going to have to get lucky. You're going to have to. A couple of guys are going to have to hit that. They're in there, you know, in you know. Reichel, when he comes over uh, in the fall, is he is he going to be the scorer that Kubalik is, or better, or is he not? I mean, there's, there's so many questions on on that end. I mean, I'm much more worried about the defense than the offense. I, mean, I think it's proven when you look at Minnesota and you look know, at defense is going to keep defense will put you in the playoffs, and defense will make you could make you a pain in the ass to play. You know, you may, you, you may not win the Stanley Cup, but you can make it real difficult for other people's lives around you um, because they're, they're not going to rebuild to what they had in 13 and 15 or 10 in two years. It, it's just not going to happen. It, no, that took, what, six years of yeah, bottom it, feeding. But yeah, my, point uh, is, my point is, my point is the, the best thing that could probably happen for the Hawks is they suck this year. For all the guys that are coming up as RFA or UFA, they re-sign them for a little bit extended tickets at lower value, and then that's when they click. Because otherwise, there's no value on any of these guys. That's what. Well, I know that's the, what next draft, the next draft is supposed to be a big one, from what I understand. Not yeah, but those. I mean, those those guys are what four years out then, at well, least. Maybe depends on. You know, well, I guess it. it de- yeah, it depends if you're a top four, top three or four guy, but <laughs> depends how bad you suck. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> you know, but like just to even round out the lineup, like ten mil, like isn't a whole lot. With like, do they bring back Henestroza? Like, well, you know, they left him. They left him out available out there and stuff. That t- probably tells you. Well, that's maybe. just because he's a UFA too, right? They didn't have. Maybe. They didn't. It's just, I. You don't have to bring. I mean, it's, you're going to have to take a flyer and a couple of guys, and they're going to have to have good years. But if you don't have a solid defense, then I don't think it matters. But that's my right. That, but also at the same time, if you take a flyer and it's on a one-year deal and they have a great year, you don't have enough cap room the next year to get them gone again. Like that's to fill out all of the holes. That's the issue. Well, Tazes would be what half one then too. Well, no, I mean, it depends. If because if they put them on long-term IR where he's not going to play again and then there's the recapture penalty, then you have half of his cap money is dead money. But half is gone. Half half of 10 is five. I mean, that's... Yeah, but, but my point being is it's not, you know, it's... Five is still a solid player. Five is it, a very solid player. But it extends, it extends double the length. So if he's on long-term IR for two more years, his five and a half goes for four years of a cap hit, dead cap hit. So that's then it puts you back even, you know. Has Hosa's dropped off yet? When, yeah, well, uh, you guys traded it. It's well, in Phoenix. Right. That, it was on the books for somebody. That's it's on Arizona. It. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona eats everybody's count. They're still paying Pronger, Dotsuk, Hosa. Well, they, boy, if they had those guys in their prime, it'd be a hell of a team. Yeah, they would be. It'd be great. But, okay, so. Yeah. 
Dave, your three your moves are Dougie Hamilton, a goalie and an and a, and a goalie, and, and a second three. D. Yeah, second D. Okay. Matt. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't have too much on this, unfortunately. Um, yeah, no. I mean, obviously a goalie. That's that's a huge. That's a huge one. But maybe even more so defense, right? Because if you've got the defensive guys in front, now what? What is this Caleb Jones guy? What does what does he really bring to the table? Is he, nothing. 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 He just, what he brings is maybe the just, possibility of bringing his brother. Yeah, he, he had a big he had a big upside when he was when he was when he was drafted. He actually had a decent upside. He just never lived up to any of it. Yeah. So he's so so possibly set then. Right? You can't <laughs> you can't yeah you can't count on him for anything. It's not like he's been in in Edmonton. I think this is year four, I believe, in their system. And oh, right. and I think. Uh, I think he's played a handful of games. I don't think he, he's, he's a warm, warm body. Yeah. So um, yeah. Rockford will love him. Yeah. yeah. Well, what it was, was they needed a body coming back for Duncan Keith. Mm-hmm. So he played 33 games last year, had four assists with Edmonton. He's played 93 games in his career, five goals, 14 assists, but he's a minus 17 okay. as a defenseman. He's physical. On a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, yeah. yeah, that's. <laughs> and he, I mean, he's six one, one ninety four. So he, you know, he's not exactly a giant body either. Yeah. So it's almost like adding, I mean, probably Johnny Odulia without having the speed that he had. Okay. You know. He's could be broadcast. could be okay. <laughs> the broadcaster, really good. The broadcast, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't really have too much in terms of specific details, but I mean, yeah, defense. And you know, if you have a defense, Lincoln was 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 a good goalie. I mean, throughout the first half, I believe, and then it he kind of tapered off after that. But um, yeah, that I mean, horribly be. Every night you face a certain percentage more top scoring chances than, than the guy on the other side. That's <clears throat> not yeah. so much the number of shots. It was the number of quality shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you don't fix the defense, I, I, I don't think it's worth it. So a guy that, you know, again, it comes down to a number, but I, I was waiting to see what Matt said too before I brought this guy up. Would you guys have any appetite to say four years at I don't know anywhere between four to four and a half? Bring back Brandon Sod. You know what he is. I mean, it's. I mean, my point is, is you got to fill out the lineup. Yeah. With yeah. respectable NHL guys. Yeah. And I, he's coming off a deal for six. I don't think he's going to be looking at six. He's. You know, he's a third-line third winger. The, the plays like a first-line winger 10 games a year. <laughs> well, and he's, he's what? He's 30? 29, 30, something like that? Uh, I mean, I I just wonder, like... Is he, is he better? What you got to look at and say is... 
is he better than uh he's 28 i was younger than i thought so if you put four years that still puts him at 32 what are the Hawks looking to do? You know, like, are, are they looking to really compete here, or is it? I mean, is there is there such a thing as tanking for draft picks? Is that is that like a? Yeah, I mean, you get put in a lottery, but like, it's yeah. like you the pay, NBA. You can take though, and that it's still not come out of it. Well, because you're draft, yeah, you're drafting eighteen year olds that are going to be not in the NHL unless they're a special special kid, mm-hmm. three four years from then. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 kind of the like, thing. Kind of like baseball in in that way. You're. That's the thing, right? There might be there might be a two or three that could play in a couple of years, but that's about it. Yeah. But all right. Well, Keith, you got so what, are, what are draft picks? So just just while we're on the topic, draft pick wise, what you know, in, in terms of other is it is it similar to baseball where like do they trade draft picks a lot in hockey? And are yeah, they draft they, picks get draft picks valuable? get traded a lot. But are they very valuable? You know, is it or is it? Uh, they're becoming more valuable. Yeah, it's becoming less like the NBA, more like football, where they're you know, hey, we're, we we want to jump up three spots. We'll give you this fourth rounder. <clears throat> okay, we'll add another body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, they're used as they're used as trade cap. It's there that is more equivalent the way draft picks get handed back and forth to the NFL. It's just not every guy's an impact guy or you're not expecting him to be an impact guy right away. Yeah. Well, it helps manage cap too. And everything. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All I mean, right. Kubelik makes three, seven. Yeah. Would you rather have Kubelik or side? Well, but my point is, is you, sure. you need the bodies to where you need them both. Because. Well, so your first line is who? Strom, Kane, Debrinket, and then your second line is Doc, Kubalik, and Brandon Saad, or Mike Hoffman, or somebody. It ain't, it ain't Camp, it ain't Conley, it ain't Nylander. This is my point, Dave. This is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going through here. I'm looking. Hang on, guy. It's not Henestrosa. It's not Suter. It's not Hagel. It's not Camp. It's not. I mean, maybe I mean, it's maybe it's Borgstrom in a year from now. I was gonna say Borgstrom's a wild card in this. He's a great player. It's in like college. picking up a real high draft pick. He was a great player in college. Great player at Denver. Yeah, but hasn't done anything in the NHL, and you can't count on him game one. If you're counting on him game one to be your second line right winger. That already screams you're in. Is he a center or a winger? I mean, I think he's a winger in the NHL. Okay. He was a center in college, though, right? A bit here and there. He, you know, he's a a soft guy. He's too soft to play up and down the middle, especially in the central division. He's not going to be able to, he's not going to be able to go body for body with, you know, Shen or, or Johansson or O'Reilly or, McKinnon, you know, but he's got the frame to be able to maybe. Borkstrom's not that. He's got to pull out a lot. Yeah, Borkstrom's not that. Doesn't even have that frame. Borkstrom looks more like a bringer. Yeah. But all right, Keith, you with the Blues, go ahead. Let's see what see if we're on the same page at all. Yeah, we. 
I'm, partly, I'm sure we will be. Uh, so uh, mission number one is uh, you got to trade uh, Tarasenko, um, you know, and it it's almost irrelevant what you get because you're not going to get much, um, whether it's draft picks or some guy way down on the roster. Uh, but th that's not why you're making that trade. You're making that trade to free up cap space. Um, even, even if you have to uh, eat a little bit of it, half of it, and you get something in return, at least that frees up some of your cap space. Uh, because now the way things are, it's just un it's an untenable situation. You can't keep him because um, it's just a, a, a bad situation all around. So that's number one. Um, number two, uh, I would, uh, unless it just gets absolutely crazy, and it probably will, uh, go for Landeskog, um, try to sign uh, him as a uh, free agent. Um, and then, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to go, go for that, you know, go for it. Yeah, I mean, the, the blues do have, uh, they, they do have the cap space that they'll be a little bit limited. If they're they, 17.38 as we sit right now without moving Tarasenko. Yeah. So just conservatively say they get half that. So now you're up around 20. Um, and they still, they, they still have, uh, they have to do something with, uh, their, uh, restricted free agents. So that's going to take some of that money, but, uh, you know, if you could at, le at least make it, take a shot at Landis Cog. Um, and, and see what happens with that. Um, the, uh, I don't see them making a, 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 tr a big trade for a Kachuk or anybody else. <laughs> uh, you know, just cause they'd have to give up so much. Um, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I, I just don't see them doing that. So anyway, then my, my third one is, um, uh, I, I think they need to uh, uh, bolster their defense. Um, and a, a guy I have my eye on is uh, Alec Martinez from um, uh, Vegas uh, and previously with the Kings. So uh, here's a guy who's uh, – He's got a cup-winning goal scored on, under his belt. He scored the game winner against the uh, Rangers in game seven back in 14. Yeah. I mean, he's just uh, – Good. Uh, well, last year had uh, I, I believe his best offensive year, but uh, you know, top four guy, um, and and the Blues need that, um, you know, to solidify their their defense because we were talking earlier uh, defense. Well, we all know defense is is what wins you the cup, uh, or at least gets you on a path to it anyway. And um, their their defense obviously has taken some hits, uh, so um, that would be uh, my target. Uh, free agent-wise on the on the defensive end. Okay. So I know I said, you know, the reason this trade that I have, it's been, it's been talked a lot about as parts, and it's been talked about, well, is there a possibility to put it into a three-team type of trade, right? So there's been a lot of talk. Keith mentioned it between the Blues and a certain St. Louis kid that has – not said it, but apparently very well rumored that he would love to come back home and play from Calgary. And there's another guy in Calgary that's not really said it, but has also made comments about he's up after this year too, and he would love to go closer to home to play 
And this kid is from uh, South Philly, Long Island area. So there's been some talk about Goudreau to the, the Hawks. Nobody. <laughs> Much the, well, there's there's been a lot of talk of Goudreau going to the Islanders. Johnny Goudreau from the from the Flames. And there's been a lot of talk of Kachuk coming to St. Louis. Well, pieces can go every way, right? There's been talk with Tarasenko going to the Islanders also. So using the cap friendly dra- trade simulator, this does work out mathematically too, which is kind of scary if it actually happened, right? But so we'll go with what teams are giving up and then I'll tell you where they're going. So the Blues are giving up Clem Costin, 2021 first round pick, 2022 third round pick, 2022 second round pick, Vladimir Tarasenko and Marco Scandella. Whoa. Just wait. We get Wayne Gretzky and his prime back for that? No, no, no. The Islanders are giving up Scott Mayfield, Anthony Bavillier, a first round pick of 2022, a second round pick of 2021. And the Flames are giving up Kachuk and Goudreau. So the way it breaks down, the Blues get Mayfield, Bavillier, Kachuk. The Flames get Costin, Wallstrom from the Islanders, the two first-round picks and the two second-round picks. The Islanders get Tarasenko, Scandella, Goudreau, and a third-round pick. Now, again, this is me being armchair. I don't – do I think – the team that I think says no on that the most is actually the Islanders. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that is because Goudreau's only got one year left. And they're giving up Wallstrom, who's a high-end prospect. They're giving up a couple first-round picks – and Bavillier. Yeah, and Tarasenko's unknown. But I'm not sure what you're getting. My my thinking is is you could also break that down to smaller things too, right? Like if you gave up for the Blues, if you could give up Scandella, Tarasenko, and a third round pick and get Mayfield and Bavillier, like that's my in order to get rid of Tarasenko, we're gonna have to sweeten the pot to not retain cap. So yeah. the Islanders have a hole on their third pair left side defenseman. Marco Scandello can fit right in there. But that being said, my second thing that goes with that is a guy that they could easily just go out and sign and not lose any prospects, which would be if the Blues make that trade and get rid of Scandella, it opens up a, two, a top four left-handed D spot, which Ryan Suter would then fill. Ryan Suter's already getting $13.5 million. So the reported rumors is he he would settle. If you gave him two to three years, he would settle between two and a half to three mil. How old is Suter? He is 32? No, 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 no. Um, 34, I think, actually. Well, that that, that would be a smart move by anybody. Um, I mean, he's still playing. Oh, sorry. He's he's 36. There you go. See, I thought he was right there with Duncan Keith age-wise. But if you get him, if if you're the Blues and you give him two years at three mil, it's not horrible. Yeah, if he, no, took, if he took that, if he took three mil, I, well, I, there, that's the report. Is he he's already getting thirteen and a half still from Minnesota because of the buyout? Yeah, because they bought him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, anything is great. There, there's even teams speculating that he might sign for league minimum. Just if, to if go to right, a contender. In the right situation. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm, yeah. So that would be, you know, and like I said, I preference it, right? So you're keeping your RFAs signed. So you resign, like you spend 11 and a half. My thing is spend 11 and a half million dollars for Cairo, Thomas, Barbashev. And if that trade went through, you'd have to resign to Villiers. So there's 11 and a half of your seven. You offload seven and a half. You bring back seven. You give two and a half to Suter. You re-sign Bozak at two and a half because that's the reported number he would be okay with. Gives you about five mil. And then you can put that to Hoffman or Saad or Schwartz or plug in whatever two, three left winger. I just don't see them going after Landis Gog. Unless no. they offload – unless they offload – Tarasenko and really can't swing anything close for Kachuk. I truly think Doug Armstrong's going to do whatever he can to bring Kachuk in. But what I kind of mocked up, it leaves the Blues $1.08 million in cap room and fills out the roster. But again, armchair GM, right? Everything is easy, like you know, I don't have to talk to Lou Lamarillo, who's already snaked the blues a couple times with Scott Stevens from Brennan Shanahan mm. back in, in yeah. four first rounders. Don't don't remind me. Yeah. You know, maybe it's our time to steal one off of Lou. <laughs> but so I wonder if Parisi's willing to take anywhere near the kind of money that Suter is. See, that's it. So the other thing with the Gaudreau or Tarasenko going to the island, Parise's I would bet my life savings that Parise is an Islander with the connection he already has with Lamarillo from their New Jersey days. He's a well, perfect yeah. fit for t- Trotz and him. Yeah, I mean, and you also have to wonder, uh, I, I don't think there'd be any interest on and there may not be any interest in him by a lot of teams just because, I mean, he wasn't even, he was on the, what, fourth line? I think uh, there would be some interest in St. Louis. I don't know about Chicago. Yeah, but I the don't only know. reason if you can get him for one and a half, two mil to play an Alexander Steen fourth line, third line yeah. role. That, yeah, for us, I, I look at that same guy. I, I look back to the days when, when the Hawks were in, and they had people like you know, like Ladd and people like that who played those roles so well on those third and fourth lines that you had you had somebody solid. You you, you just put you didn't have liabilities out there. You had some solid players. I look at Montreal this year. And, you know, you look at you know, Corey Perry and stuff like that. Yeah, their best days are behind him. Let me tell you what, that, that fourth line for Montreal oh, got, them to where, got them to where they are. Mm-hmm. But it's Parise, always the fourth line. They always played the crap out of everybody else's yeah. fourth line. Parise in Chicago doesn't work because Chicago tries to play too fast. Yeah, that, that's that's what, you know, that's why he fits a little bit with the Blues with the Barube mm-hmm. style of grind it down low, go to the net, and it fits in, in the island with Trotz's style of the same thing. Yeah. The team that I worry he could also go to and have a lot of success would be Nashville or Colorado. Mm. But Suter's also linked to Colorado, which scares me. But that being said, Landis Scott could end up anywhere. There's apparently, apparently there's stuff out there that the Leafs would – make it work i don't know how i guess they're unloading william nylander but now if your land has got to go do you really want to go to the leafs i mean geez they're just uh, do you want to get 
Another team that finds a way to lose. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd get into that. Uh, That's why maybe... Austin Matthews come up. Uh, two, three years from now, I believe. Let's see. I think he signed a five-year deal. Um, Matthews yeah, is Matthews is UFA in 2024. 20, wow. So he's got 11.6 until 24. Tavares is 11 until 25. Marner is 10.9 until 25. Tavares all the money. Nylander is 6.9 until 24. So. I was never a big Tavares fan. Never. Not, I mean, I was, but not at 11. No, God, no. No, no, that's, not, that's what I mean. You know. He, he's playing with the big boy. He's running with the big uh, the big dogs off the porch, and it's, he, ain't, he ain't in that category. Well, no, he's running with big dogs on the way to the bank, but he ain't running with big dogs on the ice. Exactly yeah. right. So, but we'll keep the guy carrying your team. So the last topic we're going to touch on, we'll just talk about five minutes on the expansion draft tonight. We'll talk about Joel Quinville's nephew, John Quinville, getting drafted out of Chicago, and we'll talk about Vince Dunn. And then I know Dave. I'll prove to you why they didn't mess up with taking the two goalies that they took. Okay. I mean, granted, I would probably have also taken Kapu Kakinen with yep. with the two I'd that like they to take took. Them now. <laughs> I would have, I would have not taken I would not have taken uh um the guy out of Ottawa, uh Joey Decada. I would not have taken him. I would have taken Kako, but it makes you wonder what type of side deals there might be getting had, announced tomorrow. You had, out, you had Hopey out there. You had Bishop well, out there. Well, so the thing was, that's – so the thing with that has been talked about a lot today with Ron Francis is he, he has made the comment a lot about the thing that we are valuing the most in this draft is the availability to take on cap later in the year. Well, he's got $26 million sitting there waiting for mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So – you know, that being said, John Quinville gets taken from the Hawks, who he is technically uh, UF, UFA this year. Um, you got to leave it at him. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I know we joked about it, but does that just scream of how lackluster the Hawks – Roster well, slash system is well, the Hawks. What it is, it, it it displays the hole in the talent because the Hawks yeah. have more guys that didn't have to be protected because of age and time in the league than anybody in the league. Uh, so, yeah. I think I think Ottawa did. I think Ottawa had. Well, four, on the, Ottawa, one, no, not, the article I read, the Athletic said it was us. Oh, I think Ottawa had twenty-four guys that they didn't have to protect. Uh, we had 22. So if they had 24, they won't two up. So the Hawks' talent is here and here. Here in the middle is where the, you're absolutely right, is where the gap is, is that, you know, you've, you've got your top end. You've got your youngsters that have all the potential. What you don't have are the – your three, $4 million a year, very solid grinding players that, you know, can make a difference. That's where the Hawks are, are missing. You know, is is in there now? Some of these young guys could stand up. They could do anything. If 
anybody would love to have taken off that list of 22 because there's some there's some pretty damn good hockey players sitting down there. Well, yeah, Kubalik's on that list and Doc's on that list. Oh yeah, and Reichel who's coming who's coming this year and I forget who I mean it's 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 a very, very nice list of players. But you're you're right in that you've got you know about a two year gap in there where if you if you did it on a straight timeline, that's you're missing that two years in between. You wonder who the hell did they draft in those years, or who did they give away, or what? I mean, what the story was, it just didn't fill in behind. You know, when you get out of fifteen into sixteen, um, so you should have had some normal turnover. They now they got hit pretty hard with some because cap wise, they put themselves in cap hell, and they lost a lot of players they should not have lost. Well, but they also, you know, that's yeah. the yeah. thing of getting three cups yeah, is you, you're trading a first-round pick and, and, you know, a Danos at the time for Andrew Ladd on the second of the run. And then that first-round pick, that's the guy who would be in that gap right now. That's, you know, like – Yeah, that 26- to 28-year-old yeah, solid play. And you look at – you say, you look at Dano, he's not a great player. He's just a good, solid player, very good face-off guy, that type of stuff. But you're right. But, you know, you lost people like Bickle to the MS, you know, who was, you know, another guy that would be in that, right in that age group and stuff. You, you made some other some other trades that were very quite, I mean, you couldn't retain Panarin. You couldn't retain, uh, oh, God, the draft pick we lost to the Rangers. Uh well, you right. traded you traded Teravainen to get Bickle's contract off the book. That's well, the other thing. That and that that is exactly Quinville's fault because Quinville hated Teravainen. But not. But it's not just that. It's it's the Stan Bowman mindset of okay, well, I'll get you to take this contract by giving you another guy instead of a draft pick. And like, we gave away too. We gave away too many. I mean, yeah, yeah. When it's over and over and over, that's yeah. the issue. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree with that. That's yeah. it's very much what happened. And then it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help that you guys guys were here. They just didn't stay here. Well, and then missed on some of those picks, like Nick Schmoltz. Yeah. And then you trade him. You trade him and somebody for Ryan Strom, who is, or Dylan Strom. Sorry, not Ryan. Ryan's his brother in New York, but that hasn't panned out either. He he's not a top. He's not a top six guy. Yeah. He's he's not a bad. He's not a bad player. I got. Again, a guy that you know fairly solid on a lot of things. He's just if you're looking at the top six, he's not that. He's a third or third or fourth uh, line center, good, the decent one at that point, but he's not a one or a two. But he was an upgrade when we picked. I mean, some of the stuff that that we let go. I mean, it was like you said, a couple of bad trades that were there couple of short-sighted things and then some bad luck on a couple of things. I mean, Hosea could have played a couple of more years at, at the level he was at. You know, like you said, Bickle, you lost a top six winger with size and physicality that we didn't didn't have on the team after he was gone. I mean, he, he was that guy to put the big hit in and then make the play on top, but he had some skills to go along with his size. But, you know, sadly, he has bigger issues in life than hockey. You know, so that 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 hurts. There's no question. And you've had Taze. I mean, really, 
in and out of the lineup the last three, four years. You know, not yeah, not that the guy he once was. I mean, you know, what what if he's performing at the level that, that Kane still is? But he's he's not even close. So it's a lot of things happened that were that were there, a lot of mismanagement to keep them from being on top. I think they also had their fingers crossed that that cap was going to keep going up. And it, did, it basically, it just never moved enough for them. And then the pandemic, that was that was just a death knell at that point. Because they were in deep shit to begin with. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's just a, I mean, you got three cups, so... Yeah, it's almost hard to be you know. cups, a couple more trips to the final, uh, a trip to the finals, uh, two trips to the semis. Uh, that's hockey heaven for, you know, six, seven, eight year period of time. That's pretty good. I mean, it's it's not a bad run. Nobody nobody runs every year. I mean, it's it's not possible. I think we cut a couple of years off the back end. You could have had maybe another year or two. Whether you, I don't know if you want a cup or not, but you'd, you'd be competitive. But you know now you've got to figure out how to, how the hell to get back there and you know again even even when you get the top picks you got to hit. Plenty of people take you know you look at these guys and they're second and third guy taken in the draft and five years later they're still in the minors struggling to find a place. So you don't always get hit with a you don't always get a cane and a taze back to back years. It's just you get lucky. Yeah. And, you know, there are some big names out there. Uh, the Blues had Tarasenko unprotected and Vince Dunn was the pick. So for the Blues, I could have told you two years ago that it was probably going to be Vince Dunn just because at the time you would have thought Petro still would have been here and you would have protected Petrangelo and Pareko and – you know, at the time, Bo Meester, before his heart issue, you would have thought he would have still been here and he would have been the other guy because they were so, those three were so dominant. But you, you know, sub out Falk for Petrangelo and you sub out Krug for Bo Meester, it still leaves Dunn as the odd man out. And then last year with the contract negotiations that were uh, less than stellar, it took all the way up until arbitration and he almost sat out the entire year instead of signing his arbitration uh, to play. It was, they were either going to trade him. He wasn't going to be here. So. Yeah, but you lost, you lost, a, you lost an asset though. We didn't. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> we just, well, the thing is, you know, there's a bunch of people here in St. Louis with that same mindset that keep saying, well, why we just lost them for nothing. Well, but if you lose done and you trade him and you get something back that you're going to protect, then you lose another guy. You know, so it's a catch-22, right? He's he's a restricted free agent, not signed. You know, what what was really going to – you don't really know what was going to happen. Um, I, oh, I, you guys had way more guys in that in that bracket that you had to protect than we did. I mean, I, I yeah. think like nine or ten more. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you're going to – obviously O'Reilly's going to get protected in Shen and Perron, and then you got your 3D – so then it leaves you four forwards. Well, you're going to protect Thomas and Kairou because they're your next group. So then that leaves you two spots. And 
if you're a Blues fan and you watch the game, you know how much Sunquist meant to the Blues because yeah. they were the best team in the league until he got hurt, and then they went and barely made the playoffs. And then Barbashev or Tarasenko, and I think it was more of an asset management when they protected Barbashev because he's going to be lower cost. He can play the PK. He's more of an all-around guy. And then obviously Bennington. So, you know, it, do I – You guys had 26 guys that were quote unquote available after you did your protect. Yeah. We had nine, two, four, six, eight, 10, 13. 13. Okay. So that that's nine. You had nine extra. Eventually somebody's going to be a player in there at least. Yeah. It may well, not I mean, be the best asset, but it's the, an asset. You know, but, the guy yeah. that I was actually worried that they would take was he's a, bigger defenseman that skates pretty well. Michaelis. Yeah, Nico Mikolas. And that's the guy that I was just like, please don't, please don't take him. Please because he's he's another Pareko in training. Well Mm -hmm. he he remind he skates going to the game and watching him skate live, he skates and is as smooth skating as Bo Meester. Not as quick. He doesn't have that first that burst like Bo Meester did. But yeah, like I think him and Pareko could be down the road. They got to re-sign Pareko. He's up after this year, but they could be the same type of duo that the Blues had when they went on that Cup run with Bomeister and Pareko that were just shut down defensemen. Yeah, and uh, and and Mikolas Michaelis has a little bit of a mean streak in him. Yeah, too. he does. For a Finnish guy, he's got a little edge. Yeah, yeah he needs to kinda transfer nice. a little bit of that to Pareko. Kind of nice so, to see. Yeah, but. So, Dave, I know you made the comment about they didn't take any goalies, right? Not a good goalie. What if I told you one of the goalies that they took finished tied for fifth in save percentage at 927, tied for fifth in shutouts with three, and and finished alone in fifth at 2.07 in goals against? They got that guy. But I just didn't. I just didn't see him play much. That, that is Chris Drieger. Well, you know why you didn't see him play too much is because Quinville was also riding uh, uh, Bobrovsky a lot. But Drieger, here you go, Drieger. So in in his the season, right? Played twenty three games, was fourteen and six with three overtime wins. Uh, Two point seven, like I said, goals against nine point two seven save three shutouts. Uh, and in the playoffs, he played two games, played, started two games, had one loss, gave up eight goals total, 3.7 with an 871. But that playoff series, I don't think Florida played any defense whatsoever. They were just trying to outscore Tampa. Let me ask you this time. question, though. As, as, as somebody with no goalies, would you have taken Price? No. Ten and a half mil and knee surgery? No. Now I would have maybe taken. I would have maybe kicked the tires on Matt Murray out of Ottawa instead of uh, Descard out of Ottawa. I may have kicked the tires on Capo Kakinen, but Kakinen is RFA after this year, and if he has another good year, you're looking at a decent payday for him. I would have kicked the tires on Jonathan quick. Cause he had one year left, but not I, price, I, not price for three more years at 10 and a half. No. What about Bishop? 
I, I guess what I'm looking for is where's that, where's your experience there at, the, at this point? See, I thought, I don't think Ron Francis was trying to build. I think Francis is taking the half Vegas model. He's not, Vegas needed to make a splash and win that year because they're Vegas and they were going to get left out in the dust if they had three years of no playoffs. I mean, I look at what Flory meant to that, that place. Wow. Well, but nobody is, nobody was Marc-Andre Fleury in this draft. That's the thing. Fleury just came off of a, like, Fleury didn't have an injury history like Price does. He came off uh, the yeah. same run, but he also doesn't have, he was four mil less too. He's only six. He's not 10 and a half. Like oh, that's, that's deal, yeah. like an eighth of your, an eighth of your cap is going to a guy that can't score goals for you. That's, True. that's, that's the issue. Plus he's got a no move clause. So that means if he gets there and he and it doesn't work out, you have to then have him sign off on a trade, and you're probably going to have to eat half of that cap anyways. That's you know that's right. kind of that's the issue with price. But like I said, I mean, if if I were them, and if if uh, Jake Allen, if they would have protected price, and Jake Allen would have been exposed, Allen all day is who I'm taking. And it would have been Allen and than whoever. Uh, I know you also brought up uh, Holtby. Holtby's another guy who's – he's 31. He's getting four and a half mil. He – the the juice isn't worth the squeeze on him to take up that much cap room and be a non-asset, really, for one year. But, I mean – Frank Cervelli ruined everybody's day by noon and he wasn't wrong. So that makes it even worse. Yeah. Now he doesn't look like an idiot. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, so what do we got between this and next week now? We've got what? Uh, just baseball, basically, right? Yeah. I mean, we have the draft and free agency starts for yeah, the NHL, yeah. but. Yeah, nothing. Right, it's very yeah, too early. Nothing much more. So, I mean, with the NHL, the thing about the NHL, it's not like baseball where the uh, the free agency stretches. They're usually all done by day two or three, pretty much all signed. So it'll all happen relatively quick. But oh, there you go, Peter. My girl is banging, she's so low maintenance Don't need no champagne, poppin' entertainment Take her to Wendy's, can't keep her off me She wanna dip me Thank like you for listening to the Sports Divided Podcast Don't forget to like us on Facebook And follow us on Twitter and Instagram With the handle, at Sports Divided And we'll see you next week we fancy like Applebee's on a date night Got that bourbon street steak with the Oreo shake And some whipped cream on the top too Two straws, one shot, girl, I got you Bougie like Natty in the styrofoam Squeaky squeaking in the truck, bed all the way home Some Alabama jam she my Dixieland delight That's how we do, how we do Fancy like, ooh, ooh.